Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Today, I sit down with Jeremy Steinruck of Axis Construction. Jeremy and I have had some great conversations over the last year or two, and I wanted to bring him on to talk about kind of the state of the market, what he's seeing in his area, what he's hearing from peers across the country. And and then we end up talking about kind of a hodgepodge of things. So I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. Jeremy is a great thinker. He has some some really good thoughts on what's going on right now, but then also just how to approach it in your specific situation. So without further ado, let's dive in. This is Jeremy Steinruck of Axis Construction. Hey, Jeremy, welcome back to the show. Hello, Spencer. Good to be here. Enjoy talking to you all the time. Yeah, likewise. We were just talking talking kids before we hit the record button and, and how, how fast it goes. And it's kind of wild because I was thinking about it. Your kids are older than mine, but one of mine, he's like 20 months. So all he's known is this wacky world that the, the last two years has been. <laughs> so perspective is a helpful thing sometimes. This whole recording really just got prompted from an email exchange between you and I. We were emailing about a few different things, but you said you have you have some opinions and theories on the kind of state of the market or what's going on. But I'm just curious to hear from you. Like, what are you seeing in your your local market right now? You know, I think first of all, I'm in a I'm in a town of a hundred thousand people that's a hundred miles west of Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. So we are the hub of our region, but we think and act like a small town of 100,000. So pretty independent. And so it's like, you know, when we look at trends for the market in the the national economy or the regional economy, a lot of times we don't we don't fit those stereotypes or the data doesn't really match what I'm seeing when I talk to clients. And so, for instance, big picture, the country and especially the coasts and some of the bigger cities, February 2020 or March of 2020 shut down. And that was a big deal. Well, you know, everybody in our neck of the woods hit go. And yeah. so we immediately got busy. And so the, the PPP money and everything was just like, who needs that? We're working more than we've ever worked. Things are really good. We have tons of clients, tons of interest. Our job size went down. But other than that, our volume went way up. And we had our 2021 year, our 20 to 21 year was the greatest volume we've ever done. And, you know, that's, I, I say that carefully because I know that I have friends that really suffered during those years. The thing that everybody else is experiencing over the last year is something that our market had already kind of had a belly full of. Mm. They were tired of increasing prices. They were tired of demand that was causing delays and just shipping logistics and, and procurement and all of that stuff was just, they're just, they're done. We, I want off the ride is, is kind of what our, our people started saying in September. And at the same time, when I, you know, I'm a Remodelers Advantage peer group member. And so I was speaking to my peers and they're going, man, this is like, it's finally kicking off and everything's good. And I'm like, I feel the exact opposite and the sky is falling in my world. And that started about September last year. Hmm. And, you know, some really smart people in my, in my, in my life recommended that I kind of just check myself and verify all of the assumptions I'm making about the market. 
And so I've been doing that over the last six months and that's been very helpful. And so, you know, as I, as I talk about opinions, I think one of the things is just not to take everybody else's data as your own. That's kind of a takeaway that I have for me, because whether it's inflation or interest rates or whatever, you know, that is going to hit every single one of my buyers differently. If we have somebody who is who has been in the oil market and has had a really rough past five years, and now they look like they're getting their turn at bat for some for some decent opportunities, you know, they probably have cash. They're probably not depending on a bank to do much of their stuff, and they're waiting for for them to get service and competition. You know, the thing that we haven't had is competition among trades. It's like if you can get an electrician to give you a price, that's as good as you're going to get, right? <laughs> and I had a plumber tell me straight up, I work by the hour now. I'm not going to give you a price, but he's the one that we depend on and show up. And I don't love that, but, you know, trying to find people to, to be competitive, especially you try to get a metal building, you know, put up and it, they're like, well, no, like I want a deposit and then I want to, to give your proposal and the metal building company is going to give me 24 hours to buy it, maybe that much. And that's when I need your decision. So I'm going to come with you with this. And so there's no way to to competitively bid two metal buildings. You go with who you trust and and you're just kind of at, at the mercy of some of the market. And so what I've found is that I need to verify who the movers are in these, you know, who are opportunists about this and who who isn't seeing the market the same way the world, the rest of the world or the news or whatever, some trends, inflation, bank rates, those kinds of things. Like, you know, who's not playing like mm. everybody else is? And so then how do I market or how do I, how do I reach those people? How do I think like them? And I guess overall, my, my suggestion, my, my lesson takeaway is, is just to kind of, you know, if you're going to make an assumption, you better go verify it with some actual hard data, have some conversations with, you know, I meet with a, a handful of other business people in the community and we just ask questions. Tell me what you're seeing, conversations you've had with, with people. And, and so that's my recommendation. Yeah. Or, or thought. Yeah. I, re I really like that kind of, I forget how, how you phrased it, but it was more like the, the data across the country doesn't necessarily need to reflect your data or it doesn't, it isn't necessarily spot on. And I think that's super accurate. I mean, especially if you just kind of zoom out and think, okay, all the news say, is saying like recession, bad times coming, like GDP is slowing down and all of this stuff like there's always pockets of growth and positivity and, you know, you can control your own destiny and you can, you can have growth in a declining overall economy. And so, yeah, I like, I like how you phrased it just saying, Hey, yeah. When you just look at some broad sweeping data that doesn't reflect every single industry, every single town, every single scenario, you know, and yeah. so you can, it can make you feel, feel hopeless. hopeless. It can make you feel hopeless. Yeah. And so one of the things that a, a peer kind of called me out on was like, look, because of the data that you think you're seeing and, and what you're kind of saying is your problem, you're wearing that on your face and your clients can see it. And so you're having an effect on every conversation you have because, you know, because your, your, your affect influences everybody that you speak to. And so I have to be careful about that. And man, after that, I said, okay, I'm going to change some things. And then all of a sudden I'm going in and I'm having these little meetings with myself before I go into a sales call or a meeting. And I'm like, okay, you know, I need to smile. I need to be positive. I need to think about, and I'm looking to confirm good things in our conversation instead of to confirm bad things. That changed my whole world. You know, even just that one thing, just kind of a check on if I'm hearing bad news, 
I, I need to confirm it, but also I can't have that on my face all the time. Because my team has recognized, they've said, man, the last six months, you've been completely different. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, thanks to my my friends. I feel like that was the one thing that changed a lot of how I view the world. Yeah. Um, Isn't that so interesting? Just like a more of a mental switch than anything, right? You know, like I, I follow this guy and he talks about every time he like walks through a doorway, he says to himself, bring the joy. And so like oh, wow. if you're walking into a door or like going through and, you know, you think about that and you're like, oh, you're walking into a meeting, whether it's a prospect or an internal meeting, you're walking into your house, you're walking like, that's a great little, just like flip of a switch. And it's so small, but it's so powerful. And yeah, when you said having that meeting with yourself, I had a, a colleague, maybe five or six years ago, tell me he was a new dad at the time. And he said he would pull into his garage and then he'd like physically like take his work hat off, quote unquote, and put his dad hat on and be like, you're going in there as dad, like get pumped up, you know, like yeah. leave, leave the work stuff at the, in yeah. the garage. And yeah, I think those little things are, are super powerful. It helps me too, you know, because in my meetings, you know, I don't, even if you don't sell something, it's, I still had a great meeting. I met some great people and we had a fun conversation and we learned a little bit. And at the same time, I'm getting incredible data about what is actually happening in, in the minds of, of buyers locally. And so probably I've opened up the filter a little more to have more meetings with more people just because the, the data is so valuable to me to read yeah. into that and and just to take those conversations in a place that actually does benefit me because I'm getting really good candid information for free. So that's, that's really helpful. I'm curious too, you said kind of you, your market, the way it worked out is you, it seemed like you were ahead of what you were hearing from other people. You know, you said you guys were really busy right away when everyone on the coast kind of got shut down. And then, you know, fast forward to today, what does it feel like in your market? Is it just still pretty busy or does it feel like it's, you know, slowed down from, you know, nine, 12 months ago last summer? Do you remember when I, in, in the email, I said something about, I have some opinions. Yes. I've always had one four letter word that I despise. And that was just, because people say, well, we're just gonna, and I'm like, well, you know, we're remodelers. We don't just anything. You know, <laughs> if you're going to move a wall, you got framing, you're going to have a, you know, you got to move this, this light switch. And all of a sudden you got to, you know, a return event that's there that you got to, and it's like, there's no just in what we do. And the second devil word that I just like, I'll almost preach at somebody if they say it is busy, you mm -hmm. know, because they're like, oh, how are y'all doing? You busy? And that's like the general greeting. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter if we're busy because that was what I started learning in September was that the first sign that things were going wrong the logistics of getting stuff to our job sites was, uh, was impacting us was when we started looking at our job costs and we would be halfway through a job and we had spent everything allocated for supervision. Mm. And so you're going, okay, well, I've got six weeks or 10 weeks or whatever left on this project and all my supervision money is spent. How do I go to a client and say, Hey, by the way, we're not managing this well, or, you know, we're the victim here. And I would like to double my supervision costs on your project. And that's kind of an embarrassing conversation to have. I don't know that I'm willing to do that. And so we took a little bit in the shorts uh, because we decided not to, because that was our, our claim was that we're different because we can tell you what this is going to cost. We're that good at what we do. But then what we learned through that and then kind of trying to analyze just that within that supervision cost code is what has taken so long? And what we realized was that homeowners were saying, 
here's everything I want. And we're basically, you know, most of our stuff is designed and, and about 90% of selections are made. But then you'll have something throw you for a loop where this tile is backordered and we can't get this other thing. And it's like, well, then that changes the backsplash and the backsplash. Well, then, you know, that means the paint color on this. And, and all of a sudden you're redoing some of these design planning process that's been done and dusted four months ago and you have to redo it. And mean, so what happens is your supervisor gets on this hamster wheel and he spins and spins and spins and he spends 40, 60, 80 hours trying to solve a problem because we have a delay or a cost change or something. And so we're trying to provide greater service to the client and it's costing us a ton of money and time and effort and we haven't added any value to the project. And so we're at this loss of, hey, what do we do? Our pivot was we have to move things to a cost plus. And so we did, we just did a trial run at some cost plus work and we brought in a client that we, we felt like we could trust and said, hey, look, this is our go at this. We want honest feedback, but this is how we're going to manage it. And so we're just going to kind of tighten up our meeting schedule to where we're doing budget reviews every two weeks. And so we have now pivoted almost all of our projects for cost plus or kind of a timing material. We just set rates for labor instead of actual costs for labor, but we haven't had any kickback on, on markup or margin or anything yet. And we talk to people in the very first meeting and we say, look, based on this market, the way that we're going to do this together is that we need to be the team that is fighting against the world to get you what you want. We're going to guide you and assist you, but it's going to be both of us. And so our supervisor right here is a really big expense for your project. And he can be used really efficiently or he can be used really inefficiently if we want to go explore all of the options as we go. And so since we are in a cost plus scenario, We've allocated this many hours to the job, which equals this many hours a week for this person. And so if we go over that, then that's going to cost you. And if, if it's less than that, then that's to your benefit. And so all of a sudden, we are a team facing this, this market together on the same side of the table, negotiating against the world, not, not against each other. And, and so that's been a big shift. And it's been, you know, we've had to, had to shift some of our accounting processes. We've had to shift some other things, sales process and everything, just to make sure that the supervisors are trained and understand how, what happens with fuel costs, what happens with some overhead costs that are job related and how are they billed for it. And so we had to rebuild some of those things internally and just create procedures that were a little bit tighter than just having a bank of general conditions money that that is is taken out of the supervision budget or the general conditions budget. So it's different, but that was our pivot. And that was why it's really that hamster wheel. And so then we made that a selling point to us and say, hey, look, we can save you money. And we have people that doing cost plus work or time material work, and they blow through their supervision budget the first three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and it's just like, hey, we, we talked about this. There's no shame and pay the bill and, and we'll move on. And if you want to keep doing that, then that's fine. He works for you, you know, and so it's it's been the strategy so far. It's it's helped us kind of climb out of a of a pretty deep slide, and I wouldn't say climb out, but certainly level off and start to recover from. Yeah. So that's that's where we're at. Yeah, that sounds like a good pivot. I'll be interested to see if if things kind of went back to pre like supply chain issues and that sort of thing. If you would reverse your model, or if you actually like this model better, and I don't know if you're if it's too early to tell, or if you have enough experience to to know that yet when this first the pandemics first started we we never knew if, if we were ever going to get back to normal and now you look at buying vehicles and, and getting windows and stuff and there's there's some there's some industries wholesale industries that are going to change to a you know just in time kind of manufacturing instead of a car lot full of millions of dollars of stock 
that's just sitting there waiting on a buyer. You just wonder if we haven't moved away from the car lot. And, you know, I think lumber stores are probably going to be around for a long time, especially the big box. But I think there's going to be some other changes that change our, our industry a little bit. And so there's going to be an adaptation over the next few years. I don't know what normal is. It's just going to be the new normal every day. And that's why I think verifying your verifying your truth is is or your assumptions is is really important. And so having having peers across the country or peers in your in your own home builders association or whatever, it's super important to get some 360 feedback from others in your industry, trades, clients, whatever. Like just have the conversations um, yeah. so that you're you're not operating in the dark. Yeah. You listed a few things there, kind of like a national peer group or like getting exposure across outside of your market, then like clients in your market or prospects, you know, going on those meetings or like trades and other people in your local market, maybe other business owners. Have any of those three been more clarifying or impactful to you in verifying your truth in your market about like what you need to do and decisions you need to make? I don't know. I I, I don't think... I want to overweight any one sector, you know, because I think what the what you're an electrician might tell you is a conversation that he's having with other builders or other remodelers. And they may not do things the way you do. And they, you know, they may work for homeowners. You know, you have to take that as a piece of data that has its own unique qualities. And then, for instance, I've got a friend of mine has a a very large, you know, 60, 75 person business. And he's a client and the way he sees the world is completely different, but he spends money differently than other people. And so you need to take that and understand what, what are the unique pieces of that data. But you can also say, you know, how many other people are in his strata of, you know, income, wealth, lifestyle, that kind of thing that think like him. And so that, that is valuable, but I, I don't know. I think variety is really important. So I've always thought, in my just kind of a personal thing is have a have a great conversation with anybody because they may be a future client, a future employee, they may be somebody's nephew, uncle, whatever that could be helpful for future employment or or for a you know they may have I had talked to somebody and it was like oh yeah my mom and dad think like that and then all of a sudden we're talking to their mom and dad about doing a renovation so so I think just having lots of conversations to verify anything that you're doing to assume any any assumptions you make just verify them. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. 
Yeah, good advice. And sometimes you start to see patterns as you ripple out and have all those conversations and that that might start to solidify your thinking or in certain areas. So yeah, just be careful about what we hold on to really, really tightly. Yeah. Yeah. And especially the things that influence our business decisions and the way we talk to our, you know, the way we lead, if we're going to lead a team, it's really dangerous to just kind of go, hey, this is what I saw on the news. And so this, this is my new banner. This is my rally cry. And I just, I, I think that's kind of unwise. What do you see happening kind of the remainder of the year? Any big changes or things that you're doing differently? And for a lot of contractors, especially our size, we're somewhere between three and $5 million, depending, you know, closer to the low end of that right now, that's kind of our remodeling volume annually. And so one or two good projects can get you. And so I'm like, all right, I've gone to from this steady, just a steady kitchen and bath and additions and pool houses and, you know, whole house remodels and stuff, the steady diet of that to going, you know, maybe there's some whales out there that are, that are seven figure projects that we'd be just right for, because it still is easy to get your volume and to reach your goal. And it just may have to be a different way. It's not a market that I've, I mean, that's kind of how this conversation between you and I started was, Hey, what are you doing different? And so I'm trying to identify those people and figure out a way that nobody else is talking to them and how, who are they and how would they want to be communicated with. And so we talked about doing some snail mail stuff, just writing a letter, maybe with some QR codes and, and, you know, maybe a color, a nice brochure or something, but just writing it, you know, maybe hand addressed and hand signed form letter that says, Hey, here's the five things you need to know about access construction. And just send that to a select group of people, maybe a hundred, pick your hundred greatest opportunities and see what happens as in addition to all of our kind of just general normal marketing efforts, you know, do that in addition because you, you really can say, you know, one good, one good project solves cash flow for the next six months, 12 months, whatever. And that's a huge burden to to release. And who knows where you'll be in six months, you know, (laughs) who knows where the market's going to be. And so that's one of the things that, that I think is going to happen. The other thing that I've talked to clients about some is that it seems like, and it, this started, I think, before the pandemic, but all of the power, you know, the power is like, okay, here's your client and then your contractors here, kind of the bridge between the client and the, the trades and suppliers and the trades and suppliers. And it's like, okay, it's become real obvious that all the power is on this, the, this side of the teeter-totter. And there's none over here because you get your supplier pricing, you get your trade pricing and all your labor and everything with all of your overhead costs that have included. I don't know if anybody has priced health insurance recently, but that renewal was painful. And you just add all these and you mark it up and you go, hey, here, Mr. Mr. Homeowner, Mrs. Homeowner, like this is the best we can do, like take it or leave it. And they go, oh, well, I mean, they don't have any other options. Yeah, they there's really- no faster, better. There's, you know, like what's your value? And they just... They're scared because they don't know if their house is going to maintain that value. And, you know, because they're concerned that it's inflated because that's what everybody else is telling them if they turn on the news. And so that shift has been the power has all been here. And what I'm starting to hear from our trades are, hey, you know, when we finish these houses we have going right now, when we finish these projects we have going right now, we've got some service work. But, you know, do you all have anything coming up? And I'm like, you know, that sounds mean to say this, but like that to me is like, okay, things are shifting to where that power dynamic really needs to be pretty balanced. You know, <laughs> if that would be ideal, don't you think for it to be balanced where the homeowner has a lot of power, they're spending money that probably was, was hard earned, you know, and hard saved sacrifice to have something to put towards this, to make their dreams come true. 
And here we are in the middle, middle going, okay, we're going to, we're going to kind of orchestrate this process for you. And we had add value to this, but we should also have some power to push back both directions. And there just hasn't been any of that. And so I'm looking forward to uh, be careful who, who you share this with, but I'm looking forward to the power kind of shifting back to a little more neutral because it's been way on the supply side of things. And so I hope that we can get some of that balanced again, because that's the way I've felt out of power because it's, it is just not any fun to, to add up your stuff and, and take it to a client and say, hey, it's the best we can do, you know? No, that's not how I would do it. But yeah, um, yeah you're not what it feels like is just like, here, take your medicine if you want this. Hope you really want this because this is crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think generally the more balanced the market, the better, you know, because there's that healthy tug on both sides and it spurs some healthy competition, which forces you to add real value and try to improve in different ways. And yeah, it just hasn't been that way. You've made a, a comment around some like clients feeling like, Hey, home values have been, you know, inflated and pumped up the last few years. And people are maybe worried that values will hold and that sort of thing. Do you, do you have a take on kind of the real estate market in general? Do you feel like we're overheated? It's like, eh, no, that's, that's about right. Or or no comment, no idea. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know that I have anything, you know, what I have is a, is a very localized kind of a, not even regional, pretty local. I don't know what, what value it adds outside of, of my region, but here's what I've seen is that, you know, we had a huge, we're about, we're entering a really rough drought right now, but we had a, we had like a seven year drought and it, that finished in, in 2015. So while everybody else is recovering from 9-11, and we are, we're in this booming economy in the 2010s. We get to 2015 and we haven't grown because we are still trying to figure out if we can have water for our homes and stuff. We haven't had any industry come in. We've got old schools. Like our town has some, some kind of structural infrastructure issues that we had to get figured. And so we haven't had any growth in a long time. We had a repressed market because now you've got not really a lot of investment in real estate because people are really concerned about moving here. And so I felt like that we were already kind of in a in a depressed market as far as the, the real estate values. And then we have an older market. And so a lot of these people are really concerned about home values going up because of that's like their biggest tax burden is some of their real estate taxes, you know. And so I felt like all of the boom that we saw for COVID, you know, in some ways for us was catching up. When I talked to clients, they were in our office, they moved from California and bought a house. You know, people from a larger market think that West Texas is on, they think it's a bargain. They're just like, you know, this is nothing like what it would cost. So those, I think that our people are going to have, just like everybody adjust to gas prices, our local people have to kind of just adjust to where this market is. I don't know that it's going to soften, but I, I don't think it's going to increase it. And I, I think it may ease just a, just a minute, but I don't, I don't think we're going to go, go down in value. So I certainly don't see a, a value bubble in our neck of the woods. But again, I think that we were, we were undervalued to begin with just for a long, long time. And so now, now with, you know, the, you can work from anywhere and people aren't traveling for work. So being near an airport isn't as important. So we've had a lot of people move west of the Metroplex just to get a slower lifestyle, place to raise kids, that kind of a thing. So, you know, that's another way that we're trying to find and a different, more aggressive market sector that's still active. Yeah. So I don't, like I said, I don't know that that has value to anybody else, but that's how I analyzed 
my market. And I confirmed that by talking to, you know, bankers, real estate agents, appraisers, other contractors, homeowners, business owners, everybody, you know, what are we seeing? Politicians in town. So, you know, if I had one kind of beat my hand on the desk, you got to do this is like, go get data, go get, have yeah. real conversations and get data and variety. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Jeremy, I always enjoy getting your thoughts. Any Anything else you want to leave people with or anything we we didn't cover today? No, I think I've, I've, I've spoken enough, but let me, let me turn it around and just say, tell me some of the things that you hear. Cause I know that you're talking to contractors all over, you know, mm-hmm. and, and of course, everything that you, you speak to mostly is marketing, but how have you seen other contractors and builders shift or what have you seen them have to respond to quickly? So answer the questions, I guess, kind of give me a feed, get some feedback on the questions that you asked me. Yeah, it's certainly kind of like how you said, get go get data. I feel very fortunate in that I feel like I'm always collecting data from all over the country. And, you know, so I, I start to get a sense of things. It, it's funny. It does feel like it's always the coasts that happen first, you know, whether it's like picking back up or slowing down. I'll try not to use your your four-letter word busy at all, but I'm hearing people on the coast are talking about like the phone's not ringing as much. That's a very common phrase I hear is like the phone's not ringing as much. And yeah, okay. So what I always ask is, okay, not as much as last year when it was literally bananas crazy or (laughs) like go back to 2019 and look at your data then versus now. And and is that comparable? Like are you still in a healthy spot because we have recency bias, right? We look Mm -hmm. just behind us and we go, oh man, like we're turning away work. We can barely keep up with the leads. And then that just becomes normal, but it's like, we know that's not normal. And so I, I've been encouraging people to go back a little bit further and compare year over year data to two years ago, three years ago. And and how does it feel now? But definitely people are experiencing less leads coming at them, inquiries coming at them than nine, mm-hmm. 12 months ago. So we're starting to see that. And then that just, I think, sparks some of that. Okay, I'm watching the news. I see inflation. I see recession. I see you know all these you know things and my phone's ringing less. So then it starts to set off some you know alarm bells and that sort of thing. I think the whole recency bias is really powerful. And then looking at year over year uh, versus last month or the two months ago, because we know it's a very seasonal, you know, business. And so being able to look at last year, this time and the year prior is really important. Everyone's struggling with the supply chain. That's not market dependent. That's everywhere. It feels like I think people that have in-house labor have, you know, that have built like almost all of their labor in-house, they've probably weathered a little bit better because they haven't had to you know, negotiate with subs as much because the subs are, you know, working with multiple companies. And so they've been at a slight advantage from a labor perspective. And then I'm hearing a lot more people just talking about how are we building a training program and how are we just going to start taking the power into our hands and saying like, hey, we're having trouble finding good labor. So what does it look like if we just start bringing people in and and people from outside the industry and just saying, Hey, we're just going to train them. And I, Mm -hmm. and I love that mentality and starting to just hear little snippets of more of that going on. And people just saying, I'm fed up with complaining about this. I'm just going to start solving it. And I think that's what we need to do. So I would say those are the main themes that are coming at me right now, just off the top of my head. 
every business has to respond appropriately for where they're at. You know, totally. if I was a four person company with a couple of people that I could keep on payroll and we could shrink down, look at overhead costs and, and just kind of weather this, you know, with do what we can do make sure we're profitable on what we do. But, you know, when you have a team of 14 or 20, then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I've got to keep work out in front of them. That's a different level of pressure because then you're tempted to cut prices, to just keep them busy. And then you use that word again. And that's like, you know, we all say busy. But the point that I was going to make about busy is like, it's the wrong question. As a business leader, it's the wrong question. Are you productive? Are you able to be productive? Are you profitable? Those mm-hmm. things like that's what matters, not being busy. I mean, any any moron can be, you know, if you want to win in today's market, be productive. Good luck. You know, that's going to take uh, conscious effort. It's going to take your head and your body, you know, from the neck up and from the neck down to be able to be productive. And so that's kind of what we're preaching to our team. And what we're trying to get our clients to understand is, is the difference between busyness and productive because we can be at your job all day. No, no problem for us to produce something to where we're in a better place when we leave every day. That's production. And that's important because right now we're barely even scratching the surface on efficiency. Nobody even cares. We're just like, can you get it done? You know, <laughs> not how efficient can you be? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so just the rules keep changing. And, and I think a two person, a 50 person, a 10 person, a 20 person company, you know, depending on the market and everything is, is going to need to respond different. We've kind of picked ours. We're trying to find projects in the meantime with more in-house labor so that we can keep our, our if, if we can keep our field labor hours off of our overhead, then we're a lot more effective. So yeah, you know, just we're kind of almost try anything, but not be, not be silly about it. Not be like a, a pinball, but certainly just do some exploring on the front end of, of what are some, some ways that we can be instigators that we can be, you know, cause somebody's going to take advantage of every, every situation. There's a, there's an opportunity. And so we just want to be the first to that opportunity. You know, it, it's kind of walking into the darkness, walking into the unknown and going, okay, I'm going to find something good here. But again, back to what you said about, about recency bias, like we just have to check our information and then see how it's it's affecting us and make sure that we're prepared to to enter that in a good headspace too. And of course, you know, you and I have spoken before about mental health and and that's a huge thing for me is just keeping your headspace right so that you can so that you can operate and lead well. And so that's probably my favorite thing to to kind of pontificate and, and to learn and think about and talk about. So yeah, and I think it I mean it's all connected to like one of the things I read early on in my career was it was a self-improvement book, but the guy basically was like, shut off the news. He's like, it's just garbage for your brain. Like just shut it off. And, and I did that pretty early on just focused on just feeding my brain with improvement stuff and, you know, reading books and, and that sort of thing. But when you think about kind of some of the things you were just talking about with, there's always opportunities in every situation, you know, as business owners, you know, we've had to pivot and make these changes the last couple of years, but I feel like that in some ways is just the new normal is that the acceleration of change is just continuing faster and faster and faster. And so you've got to be able to make those adjustments mm-hmm. on a almost weekly, monthly basis. It feels like, you know, maybe quarterly or a couple of times a year versus you could kind of set up a system and just like get really good at that system. But now like just in the last, what, six months, you said you totally 
rejigged how you do your billing and how you charge for things. Right. And like, that's a, that's not an insignificant change. You know, it takes a lot of work, but you saw, Hey, this is what's happening in the marketplace. I'm going to make this change. We're going to test it. Okay. If it's working great, like let's keep doing that. And I think to build on what you were saying about just like looking for those opportunities, Hey, people are working from home. So, okay. We might have an influx here. Well, actually maybe part of our marketing strategy is marketing our city, our town, like, Hey, maybe we solve some of these water issues. Maybe, you know, we've got some cool stuff going on in the town. Maybe part of what we're doing is drawing people in. And then once they're here, they're like, Oh, we want to buy and remodel this house. And now we've been the educator on why this is a great place to live. And, you know, like that's an opportunity, you know, it's very different than how you would think about marketing, you know, otherwise. So I think if you're in a positive mind state, you're looking for opportunities, like you start to see them. So anyway, I don't know if that all connects back to mental health, but I think having that positive mindset is a good baseline. <laughs> yeah. I I remember thinking, you know, man, just like a, a motivational speaker, golly, those, you know, that's just a bunch of hot air, you know, and now I, I end up, you know, going down the YouTube rabbit hole or finding something that's like, oh my gosh, this literally changed my life. This one attitude adjustment, this little behavioral thing that I do for myself, like that guy that walks in every door and says, I'm going to bring the joy. And it, it really is. I hate to admit it. It's so helpful. But then it's just great because some of that stuff is truly life-changing. I mean, just incredibly life-changing. I know that I have been, because of some people that have mentored me through kind of, because it's it's dark to face. It is not easy to face the darkness of impending doom when it comes to your business. And you go, okay, you know, where are all my resources? How am I going to do this? What happens if, and you have to, you have to live through a handful of doomsday scenarios, you know, and I'm really thankful for the people in my life who, who helped me get out of those funks and get me positive because, you know, my family has benefited from me being in a better headspace over the last four to six months. And it hasn't been easy for them because that, you know, when you're, when you're fighting in the darkness against an unknown, it just feels like you're in the dark. And you're you're fighting and you really don't know how you're going to fight through this or what the if or what it's going to look like on the other side. And so for those people out there who listen to that, that's a hard place to be alone. And so I just I hope that uh, people have, you know, important people in their life who can tell them, hey, look, you're you don't look good. Can I help you? So we're back to the mental health thing that I care about. So anyway. I love talking to you. It's always fun. And and I don't know if we do any good for anybody else, but it's good for us. It's good for me anyway. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I feel. Hopefully other people are benefiting, but either way, we had a good conversation. Yeah. And yeah, I feel the same way, Jeremy. Thanks for carving out the time today. Yeah, loved it. Enjoyed it every time. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that one with Jeremy. Always enjoy our conversations together. As always, let's pull out a couple of takeaways. The one that I really wanted to spotlight was the verifying data for yourself. You know, we're going to see and hear a lot in the news and you'll hear stuff even from peers all over the country. And oftentimes some of that has some weight, but it doesn't carry all the weight and it doesn't have all the facts. And so gathering data from your prospects, your customers, your trades, your suppliers, your network of business owners in your area, all of those types of data points are important too. And uh, I really liked his his comments and thoughts around that. So I think that is a big takeaway is just making sure that you're verifying that things are either true or not true for your business and your area because everything is contextual. Other than that, I think the, the other takeaway was kind of wrapped in with having a positive mindset and looking for opportunity. There's always opportunity. This was a conversation I had with my team recently, which was 
hey, even if the entire country is declining, that just means in aggregate across the board, you know, GDP growth is slowing, but there are always pockets of growth. And sometimes there are pockets of really, really big growth and not every single company is declining. And so it, that doesn't have to be your story. And I think that's an important thing to remember. And that if you're always moving forward and, and with the mentality and the approach that you're not going to let those outside forces dictate what happens to your, your environment, your business, then you can find ways to look for the opportunities and, and make things happen. So with that being said, hope you enjoyed this conversation. Again, if you have not joined Remodeler Growth Community, check that out. We'd love to have you in the group. And, and you can find that on our website at builderfunnel.com. And with that, we'll see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text radio to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.